I found years ago when I was preaching to teenagers, I would say to them in an effort to try to reach them, I would say, now, I'm not just preaching at you. I care about you. And then I would say things like, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm telling you the truth. And then I began to think, what kind of statement is that? <laughs> and then as I began to think that through, I thought, what do you mean? just preaching at you, as if it's a bad thing to be preaching. And then I thought about, I'm telling you the truth. And I thought, am I ever standing behind the pulpit not telling the truth? I thought, no. And so I decided to extract that from my vocabulary. Now, often, I've wrestled with what I should preach. On a few occasions, I have even had the devil whisper in my ear, well, it's just one sermon. It just is one sermon. And it's really not going to matter all that much if you get it just right. But then as I thought it through, I realized it's never just one sermon. A life can be transformed. A life can be helped. A person can be built. And it's never just one song that is chosen for one service. And it's never just one special. Everything that we do in the work of God is the most important business in all of the world. Now, that kind of thinking should never be in a pulpit. It should never be in a musician. It should never be in a secretary of a church. It should never be in a janitor of a church just doing this. Because in God's work, everything is ordained by God, and it is God's way of reconciling man to himself and all the things that are done. It's God's way of reaching the world, and it's the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's never just preaching. So what I want to do this morning is look at this passage about preaching and realize it's never just preaching. It's not. This preaching business is the most important thing in all of the world, and you guys are here to do it. Now, some of you are not called necessarily to preach, preach, behind a pulpit, but you're in ministry of music. It's still to advance the cause of Christ. And some of you may be a secretary advancing the cause of Christ, and you take your calling very seriously. And so what I want to do is talk to us about preaching, but that's kind of a general, a, a specific word, but I'm trying to kind of open it up to a broader way of emphasizing all the things that God has called us to do. Now, this preaching ministry has five things that I want to draw our attention to this morning. All right, first of all, it is awesome. Now, I like the word that Brother uh, Van Gelderen used when he was leading that song. It is awesome. Now, people use that very casually and flippantly and almost um, in, an, in a cool way. But it is an awesome thing to be preaching the Word of God. Now, I love preaching, but I don't like everything that is said to be preaching. Like on a television evangelist program one time, I saw the preacher get up and he put a little uh, chart up and he said that he needed to raise, I think it was $5 million by X amount of date. And he said, if God said to me that if I don't raise $5 million by X amount of date, God said he was going to kill me. And so I was thinking, well, let's see if it happens. But he said, God is going to kill me. Now, he had a handkerchief, and he was preaching like this, and he was sweating like that, and he said that he was preaching. But that was not preaching. 
for it to be preaching, number one, it has to be true. And it has to be from the Word of God, number two. Now, I love all preaching, but I don't love everything that is claiming to be preaching. But preaching is giving the doctrine of the Word of God and drawing people to God. And that's what we're here to do. Now, we'll all love preaching, too, when we understand what it really does. Now, true preaching does one of seven messages that I will look at. First of all, it's the message of salvation. Look at verse 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's awesome. What we do in the efforts for the Lord is awesome. And why is it awesome? Because it leads to the salvation of the souls of men. And that's awesome. Would you agree? That is awesome. And then... The second message that is preached is the understanding of what God is like. I look at verse 17, for therein, in preaching, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, but understanding what God is like. And this is where when we preach, people can understand things that they need to know about God, His forgiveness which you and I have sung about today, his blood, which we've sung about today, which was stated to be as awesome, the cleansing, and all of the things from comfort to strength in the inner man to forgiveness to equipping and all of these beautiful, wonderful things about the character of God. They're revealed to man by what we're going to be doing, preaching, music, ministry in whatever form it may be to advance the cause of the Word of God and the God of the Word. Now, number one, the message of salvation. Number two, understanding what God is like, and that's awesome. But then in Romans 1.18, it says a third message is to warn of the wrath of God against wrongdoing. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, when we preach, we do preach the wrath of God. But why? Not because we want God to get them. We want them to get right with God who loves them and that they could experience the blessing of God instead of the wrath of God. And it's awesome. If we can be used to help save a soul from judgment, it's an awesome thing. I love it. I love it. Now, then there is Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, preach good tidings. All right, now, one of the things that we get to preach, good tidings, good news. God loves you. You don't have to make God like you. He already does. You spent time trying to make God like you. The Bible says in Romans that, John, uh, Romans, that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. That's good tidings. And it's awesome is what I'm trying to say. Psalm Isaiah 61 and verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There are a lot of hurting people. And you guys get to help in healing those people through the message that you give them about Christ who can heal the brokenhearted. Then he says to Isaiah, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are a lot of people that are in bondage and there's liberty and you can give that awesome message and then it says to open the prisons to them that are bound. So preaching is awesome and you get to do it. Now, so many wonderful messages and wonderful things that will come out of what you're doing. Now, some people don't like it, maybe, that you decided to do this. I remember when I went into the ministry, I was so excited, and I went to Myrtle Skinner, a lady that I was a good friend of in our church. She was probably 80 years old at the time, and she would come to our house for Sunday meal. And we were sitting around. And I said, while we're waiting for the meal, I said, Myrtle, I surrender to be a preacher. And you know what Myrtle Skinner said to me? Mike, I am so disappointed in your decision. I said, well, why, Myrtle? And she said, you've got a good job at JCPenney's. And if you keep it up, you could be a manager. Now, would I want to be a manager, J.C. Penney's? Let me answer it. No! <laughs> now, is there anything wrong with being a manager, J.C. Penney's? Not if God calls you to be a manager, but God called me to preach. And I love it. And if you are in this, you are going to be in something that is totally awesome. Now, is it ever just preaching? Is it ever just doing church secretarial? Is it ever just doing church music? Is it ever just ministry work? No. Number one, it's awesome. Now, the second thing about what you're here to do, it is appointed by God. Now, is preaching and ministry a device created by man? Here's a question. Or is it God-ordained? Let's look in our Bibles at um, first. Corinthians, and I want you to look at some familiar passages, but again, be reminded of their truth. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. It said, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, If preaching is a device that is created by man, and somebody might think this, where did this stuff called preaching ever start? Who decided that somebody was going to get up and they were going to put a pulpit up and then they were going to get behind it and they were going to yell at people? Whoever came up with that idea, and they think somehow it just kind of evolved into this kind of thing, but you realize that Ezra in the Old Testament built a pulpit of wood? That tells you anybody has a plastic pulpit, it's ungodly but it's made out of wood, but the pulpit was there, and he stood up, and he preached, and he read the word, and he gave the sense. It was even before Jesus was on earth, there was this thing called preaching. But it says that this is God's idea, not man's idea, and if we came up with the idea, then we can change it. But if God came up with the idea, we better keep it. And there are people that are telling you, you got to change this thing. Come on. You're hanging on to something that was made up by some man somewhere. Well, you got to look at the day which you live in. Preaching doesn't work these days. I'm telling you, if it's God's idea, we better keep it. 
Now, it is de-emphasized, and it is belittled. And I don't want you to be proud. I don't want you to be arrogant. God won't use that, but I do want you to be confident that you're doing the right thing. Now, um, anything that de-emphasizes the importance of preaching is not good because that's what's going to be the power of God to salvation. And it's not only called the power of God, it's called the wisdom of God. You know what that means? It's not just God's idea, it's a good idea. It's the wisdom of God. Everybody follow me? It's a good idea that you are a musician for God. It's a good idea. How do we know it's God's idea? Because when God built that temple through Solomon and David, God said, I want you to have people that are set aside to do music here. Right? That was whose idea, Solomon's or God's? And there is still the same method and anybody who de-emphasizes these methods of God, that is dangerous. So you can be confident in what you're doing that this is God's idea generally. But I also want to say specifically with you. Now, sometimes insecurities cripple us. And they have talked to you about that. And they will continue to talk to you about that. What you are in Christ. Oh, so wonderful. But... When it comes to even serving the Lord, you can be crippled thinking, have I got it right where I'm at, what I'm doing, am I where I'm supposed to be, have I talked myself into this, or is it really God's plan that I specifically am preaching, and I specifically am preaching what I'm preaching? Listen, don't you believe, young people, that God's big enough to get you where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, say what you're supposed to say and do what you're supposed to do. And again, the focus goes back on God, not on us. Now, God ordains not only preaching, but he ordains musicians and he ordains administrations and he ordains all of these gifts. He's behind them all. It says he gave some, uh, the, not all have the same office. Some have the office of giving. Some have the office of administration. Some have the office of preaching. And I believe that God is putting us where he wants us. Now, I want to show you something that God's not only interested in setting up this thing called preaching. He's concerned about who preaches, where they preach, what they preach. Now, if I had a message that I wanted to get to 7.2 billion people, I could get out 7.2 billion pieces of white paper. And I could start writing a message, and I could copy that with a Xerox machine 7,200,000,000 times. Then I could put them in envelopes, and I could send it with the address if I could just get it and get the stamps to 7.2 billion people. But that's not a very efficient way to get the message out. What would be more efficient would be to send different representatives to different people groups. And that's what God does when it comes to this thing of getting the message of the gospel out. He sends you to where he wants you to do what you are supposed to do. Now listen, don't take it lightly. This is not man's idea. It is God's idea. Now turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. And in Acts 10, we look at... 
verse 17 through 24, Acts 10, 17 through 24. Peter had had that vision about the sheet that came down wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And then after that vision, in verse 17, it says, While Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought in the vision... The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am him who you seek, whom you seek. What is the cause whereof ye are come? And they said, Cornelius is centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, And it goes on and says in the end, being warned of God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to get it. Hear words of thee. Now God was behind who was preaching. God was behind where he was preaching. God was behind who he was preaching to. God's behind all of this stuff. And he's got a place, honestly, it's not just, it's a whim. You have a place. God has a place for you. Specific place. And he has a specific task, a specific message, and a specific people group that you're to go to. And it's awesome. And it is appointed by God. I turn your Bible to Acts chapter 16. And you'll see this again repeated that God arranges where and when he wants sermons preached in spite of where and when even the preachers might want to preach. God is behind this stuff. God's behind all of this stuff in spite of when and where we want to preach even and maybe even who we want to hear preach. And you may have different preachers that come in this year. You're going to say, man, I wish I could hear him preach every single time he preaches. And in others, you'll say, well, I don't know what he was doing. And here's what I want you to say. In your heart, God is behind who preaches, where they preach, when they preach, what they preach, and believe it. And here's another evidence of it. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach. God said, don't preach here. And you know what it really was? Not right now. God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And later they went into Asia, but not right now. So God's timing. God said, no, you're not going there right now. And after they were in Mycenae, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now, did God want Bithynia to have the gospel? Absolutely not. But not them doing it, somebody else. God had bigger plans for them. God had a different plan for them. God had a specific plan for them. Did Bithynia get the gospel later? Yes, but not right now. And then, as they continue seeking what God wants for them to say to who and when, verse 9, 
A vision appeared to Paul in the night. Then stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after they had seen a vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Sometimes the only thing that will keep you in the ministry is knowing that you're called by God to be there. And sometimes if you stay in a small community, the only thing that will keep you there is being assured of God that you're called to be there. I talk to a lot of pastors that are discouraged because they don't see the growth that they want to see. And I know that there are many things that are involved in that. And they're teaching you things that will help you. Please soak it in. I love this place. I'm not just saying that. I love this place. I love the emphasis. And they're giving you what you need. How do I know? Because 30 years later into it, I know they're giving you what you need. You need to learn what's going on in here. And here, between the two of you, is going to make all the difference. But I'm telling you, the day's going to come maybe when you're going to wonder if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And are you really where you're supposed to be? Now, I remember years ago having a difficult time, getting discouraged, and I was so down that I literally, 2 o'clock in the morning, said, enough. I got into my car and my truck, and I started driving, and as I was driving, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but I'm a human being, and as I was driving, I was thinking, Lord, I don't know if um, I would never take my life and I was really down, but I said, I sure wouldn't mind if this truck drove off and slammed into a tree. I think I was about in my 20s. And I was so discouraged. But then I thought, wait a minute, you need to get your thinking straight. And I said, you need to hear a sermon of something. So you know what I did? I looked around for a sermon, and I found a tape. That was when they had tapes. And I stuck it inside my tape player. And as I listened to that sermon tape, you know what it did? It just fixed it. Now, you know what the sermon was? It was amazing. I picked it up, and on the title of that tape, it said, The Ordination Message for Evangelist Mike Pelletier. <laughs> now, I'm going, where'd that come from? I hadn't seen that for years and years and years since I've been ordained. And I thought, how'd that get into my truck? And so I pick it up, and I pop it in, and I'm listening to it. And then as I'm listening to it, uh, John Lewis, the pastor, ordained me into the ministry, was preaching, and he said, Brother Mike, the entire council of 12 men that ordained you had a very specific discussion. And we discussed... Do we feel God has called you to be a youth pastor, a pastor, or an evangelist, and a, or a missionary? And so we discussed that at length. And he said, all 12 of us have been totally affirmed in our soul that you were not called to be a youth pastor. You were not called to be a pastor. You were called to be an evangelist. And then he said, the only thing someday that will keep you in the ministry is knowing that you are called to that ministry, and that helped me, and I'm telling you, when you look at where you're going in your future, as long as you are surrendered to the Lord and walking in the Spirit, He's going to have a place for you specifically, a group to preach to specifically, a message to preach specifically, and sometimes the only thing that will keep you going is knowing that you're specifically called. Now, preaching, ministry, and all these things that we're doing for the Lord 
five things preaching is appointed by God. Number two, preaching is awesome. Number three, preaching is adaptable. Preaching is adaptable. Now, what do I mean by that? It's adaptable to the personality first of the preacher. Now, some of you might say that you're not as good with your talent, maybe, as another musician. Or you might say, well, I'm not as good in speaking naturally as another preacher. Or you might say, I'm just not good in this way or that way. Well, you know what is wonderful about preaching? It's adaptable to the personality of the preacher. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, um, some say, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and of course, they were having a preaching contest. Now, I would love to preach like certain preachers, and I think that we can learn from other preachers. I hope you're here to learn how to preach more effectively, and you will learn how to preach more effectively, but sometimes there will be deep preachers, sometimes there will be practical preachers, sometimes there will be funny preachers, sometimes there'll be guys that are not so funny, sometimes there'll be different personalities, but God is behind all this stuff, and every one of them, and God's going to be behind you if you're different than another preacher. So preaching is adaptable to the personality of the preacher. So be who you are, more be who Christ wants you to be, and you will be exactly perfect for where you are. Develop yourself, but you'll be perfect for that because God made you different. Now, preaching is adaptable to the personality of the preacher. Preaching is adaptable to the personality of the crowd. Now, Jesus, when he preached, he preached one way to Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. He preached one way to the woman at the well. And he says, uh, I must need to go to Samaria. And he said, I know all the sin that you've done. And he named her adultery because she needed that. But when Jesus preached to the woman caught in the very act of adultery, nothing hid there. He said to her, something different. Who condemns you? No man, Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And when he preached to those religious people that were a little self-righteous, the Pharisees, he said, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, snakes. You make your followers twofold more the child to tell than yourself. So what I'm saying is this thing called preaching, when you do it, it's adaptable. Now, if I'm preaching to teenagers, I try to use a little humor. And if nothing else works, I make a face. No, I've never done that once. That was a lie. I'm not just preaching now. I'm telling you the truth now. But I, I try to use a little humor. I try to use some interesting stories. I try to reach them on their level. Now, am I doing it to entertain them? No. It's a different crowd, and you are identifying that, and you adopt to them, and you reach them on their need. I am preaching in a nursing home. I'll preach a different way than I will if I'm preaching to teens. If I'm preaching to 500, I'll preach like this. 
If I preach into five, I might preach like this. Am I wrong to do so? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I become as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all men save some. Now that didn't mean. Paul said, I'll dance with the dancers. I'll drink and have a beer and Bible night to reach the drinkers. He didn't mean that he would rock with the rockers, fornicate with the fornicators. He didn't mean any of that. He's saying anything that is acceptable in the eyes of God, I am willing to not give meat, eat meat offered to idols. I am willing to be all things to all men in the realm of what is acceptable before God so that I might reach some. Now, preaching is adaptable. And so don't feel intimidated if you're not exactly the same as somebody else. God knows you're not Paul. God knows that Apollos is not Peter. God knows that Peter is not Paul. And all of these people are different, but all of these are called by God. All right, now the fourth thing, very quickly, it is not always accepted. Now turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and I want you to see verse 20 and 23, Acts chapter 9, you're called to preach uh, or minister. Um, it's awesome. It's adaptable. It's appointed by God. He's buying who preaches, when they preach, who sings, when they sing. Take it seriously. It's never just a song. It's awesome. It's got seven great messages, wonderful messages, and things that we get to do. It's a wonderful, awesome thing. Don't let anybody make you feel bad or like you're questioning whether you are doing the right thing. It's awesome. Now, notice it's not always accepted. I want to look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them? Didn't Saul persecute Christians? Now he's preaching their message. Is not he that destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? So they were amazed at his message and they're listening to him and they're thinking over what he is saying. Now verse 22, but Saul increased the more in strength. Strength makes you powerful. Strength in many ways, by knowledge of the word of God, by relationship with the Lord. But he increased the more in strength and confounded the Jew which dwelt at Damascus, proving this is the very Christ. And now let's get verse 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Now one day they're saying, he's my hero. He's a hero. And then the next day, they say, let's kill him. And you know what that means? When we're going into this thing called preaching, we got a community, we got a culture, we've got a society that may not accept our preaching thing. But this is God's plan. And it's always been that way. But here it is. I want to show you something. Turn in the end of Acts chapter, the book of Acts, and I want you to look at something that will encourage you as you go into preaching in your life or going into music and if you go into whatever ministry that you do to advance the cause of Christ we're getting the gospel to people I 
want you to look at Acts chapter 28, verse 23 and 24. It says, And when they had appointed him a day, Paul, there came many to him in lodging, where he was lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses. In the Old Testament, you can preach Christ. And out of the prophets, in the prophets you see Christ. And he did from morning till evening. But notice verse 24, when they preached, it said, Some believed the things which were spoken, and get it, and some believed not. Now listen, if all you do when it comes to preaching is you have to be encouraged that everybody receives your message and you get discouraged if somebody doesn't, I want to just tell you ahead of time. Some will believe, but some won't. So you never quit caring, and you never quit trying, and you never quit preaching, and you never quit chasing them, and you never quit trying. It's always been that way that some will not believe. It's always been that way. But here it is. Some will. Amen? And so we preach. Why? Because some will believe unto salvation. So preach. Now, the last thing, I want to look back where we started. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, preaching. It's appointed by God. It's not man's idea. If it's man's idea, we can change it. It's awesome. It's adaptable. It's not always accepted. But I want you to notice this in Romans chapter 1. Get it in your heart. If it's already in there, keep it in your heart. This is not perfectly alliterated, but point number five, those who preach it, preach the gospel. Those who live it and live the things taught in the word of God. Those who preach it, those who live it, will never be ashamed by it. You know what that means? I'm not going to one day find out that this was all imaginary. I'm not going to find out it's imaginary. I've seen it. It's true. I preach peace comes when you have Christ. And I've not only preached it, I've experienced it. I've not only preached it, I've seen it. When other people get saved and I see their countenance change. I see it every week when I lead souls to Christ in our meetings. I see change in their eyes. I see tension, unrest, bitterness in men's hearts released. I preach, if you get, a new, if you get saved, you're going to get a new nature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I, I see it every week when souls get saved. I see their change. And I'm not going to be ashamed one day to find out that it was just imaginary because it's real. I preach about demons and I preach about deliverance from them. It's real. I'm not going to be ashamed to say that. I'm not going to be ashamed to say one day when it's all done that I preach that Jesus died on the cross for our sins because he did. I'm not going to be ashamed one day when it's all said and done and all truth comes out that I preach that Jesus rose from the dead. Even though people think, come on, 
I'm not going to be ashamed by that message because it's true. And I'm going to find out that it's all true. And I will never be ashamed if I'm faithful in my service to the Lord. Now, as you prepare to serve God, and you do throughout your whole life, whatever, wherever He puts you, remember, be confident. This is God's plan. Let's bow our heads.